Guys, we return to um, Galatians chapter 4 this evening, and we'll get right on to that. Uh, we're at verse 29, which is an interesting little text, and I'll um, tell you what I'm going to do with it in just a minute. But before I do that, uh, I'd like to kind of make somewhat of an announcement. Um, it's not an announcement, it's more of an explanation, um, um, and I, w- which I hope will be uh, helpful. You know, I heard John MacArthur say this one time, and, and it's... Um, it's certainly true. You know, I'm just as insecure as anybody in the room, and you know, preachers want to be loved just like anybody else. Um, I have a book that uh, I'm going to write when I, when I retire, I'm gonna, and it's called They Cry Too. Um, uh, it, it's already been written, but I'd like to write it again. Um, but um, the, the point is, I, I, I just am wroth to the idea of unnecessarily um, making people upset. Um, and there's something that we do around here that seems to do that, and so I, I, I want to try to I want just to try to explain it. Hopefully, uh, you'll you'll see um, uh, that or understand that. <clears throat> Gang, when Grace Event started, it was back in '91, uh, and there there was a church that had started in Chicago. Many of you have heard of Willow Creek before, I'm sure. Uh, Bill Heibel's what it was the man that the Lord used to plant that church, and before it started, he went door to door and taking a survey. And the survey um, was uh, really consisted of two questions. Do you go to church? Um, and if he found that they replied, no, I do not go to church, then he would say, uh, what is it about the church that has run you off? And he found that there were two replies, overwhelmingly, that came out of the, the survey. Number one, that the church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> That's something we hear a lot, is it not? And then the other thing is that the church is always asking for money. Um, and so, with that in mind, I, you know, it, it kind of stuck with me, and, and we have sought here at Gracie Van to, um, to, to not do that to you, uh, to try and keep, uh, you'll notice we don't ever take up an offering Wednesday night, we don't take an offering on uh, Christmas Eve, you know, we take an offering one time, and that's uh, on Sunday mornings. Okay, keep that little factoid tucked away for a minute. We have this thing here called GOL. And when GOL started, um, it was supposed to be the sharing of prayer requests. Well, it's gotten a little away from that, hasn't it? But uh, <laughs> we call it eBay around here, or GBay around here. Um, but, but, but be that as it may, it's still a, a useful thing, and it, and it keeps us in community. And, um, but uh, as, as is as point out, pointed out in the, the members class, that if God um, sees fit to lead you away from uh, Gracie Van, then we will have to take you off of GOL. We hope God doesn't lead you away from GOL, I mean, Gracie Van. We want you to stay right where you are. We love having you. We love being a... Anyway, but if you uh, see fit, for whatever reasons that people have, to move away, then we have to take you off GOL. Now, you ask, why? Well, let me just... <laughs> let me tell you a few things that happened just that it led to that decision that GOL has to be limited to members and regular attenders of Grace Event. Um, several years ago, it must have been 10, 12 years ago, I, I, I don't remember when, but it was discovered that there was a man or a woman or a couple or whatever, and, and I forget what, it was either Olive Branch or Hernando or Sinatobia, I get all those mixed up. Um, but um, he, was, he had gotten on GOL somehow, and every time somebody put something on GOL that was free, he immediately scarfed it up and took it to his flea market and sold it. So um, he just, if you put something on there free, I got it. And he sold it, resold it. 
we had one woman who, um, what did she wear one time? And she was trying to um, redecorate her house, and she wanted contributions. She didn't go to church here. She wanted contributions from Gracie Van to redecorate her house. And she told us, oh, she, told it, she, she put in the GOL that she would put boxes um, out front and, and where we could put our donations uh, or contributions, whatever it was, and, and that she would be by on two days a week to, to pick up the donations for to decorate. If I'm lying, I'm dying. <coughs> I can tell your name. Um, then, um, guys, we live in a GoFundMe universe. And what we're trying to do is protect you from all that. Um, and so, if, if, you, if you're not attending here uh, on a regular basis or a member, we have no recourse. We have not, we, there's not a thing that we can do to say, no, you can't do that. So, um, in an effort to protect you, <clears throat> and just think if somebody wanted to promote some kind of heretical idea, and, and teach some, well, let's just say that one of you did something like that. At least we have an eldership that could, that to, could bring you to some kind of sanity, hopefully. But if you don't go to church here, you can put anything on there and have access to, I don't know, 1,200 people um, and, and promote any kind of heretical notion that might come to mind. So... With those things in mind, we have sought to protect you. That's, that's <clears throat> and when I say to somebody, um, I ran into somebody just within a, the last week, and she told me that she was going to a, a church in Kyerville. And I said um, <laughs> to her, I said, well, you know, I'm going to have to take you off Geo Wealth. And, and she was, what? Why do you have to do that? Well, it's just, our effort at protecting you. That's all it is, guys. So I hope you'll see that there's some kind of sanity, there's some kind of reason, it's not just some kind of arbitrary, um, dictatorial, you know, it's not, not designed to be punishing, it's designed to be protective. And I hope you'll understand at least the motives behind it. All right, <clears throat> now. Um, Galatians chapter um, 4. Let me read to you. The text um, under our attention or our study tonight. Um, it's what Martin Luther called a cheery little thought. It says, But just as at that let me stop later doing it, but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. Look at these words. So also it is now. That's what Luther called a cheery little thought. <laughs> Do you see what he said? Uh, but just as at that time, remember we, he's using this story from Genesis 16, 17 and 21 about Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and, and um, Isaac. He's using that story, and he says, just as it was back then, that the one that was born according to the flesh, what was his name? Ishmael. Ishmael persecuted him 
who was born according to the Spirit. Who's, him? who's that other one? <clears throat> so the cheery little thought is, um, Ishmael um, doesn't like Isaac. Anyone born of the flesh, anyone um, um, that's a child of law doesn't like a child of promise. Um, a child of law does not like a, um, a child of faith. And then the clincher, of course, is so also it is now. <laughs> you see what the apostle says. Just like then, when the children of law, the children of flesh, persecuted children of promise, children of faith, that's nah, still true today. <laughs> and Luther says, what a cheery little thought. Um, guys, um, if, you, um, if you're interested, it, it's in chapter 21, verse 9, where we're told that Ishmael laughed or mocked um, Isaac. And the, the Hebrew verb there is um, it's a little bit fuller than simply laughed or mocked. But it apparently was so bad that in the next verse, 21.10, Sarah goes to Abraham and says, get rid of him. Get him out of here. He's got to go. Because she saw that her son, Isaac, the son of promise, the son of faith, was being persecuted by his uh, older brother who was 13 years older than he uh, and who was born according to law, uh, according to flesh. <clears throat> and Paul says, what you saw happen back then still happens today. Gang, um, if we are Isaacs, then we must expect to be treated as Isaac was treated by Ishmael. Um, and so much of it, so much of the mistreatment, so much of the persecution comes from those who are um, superficially like us. Like, like Isaac and Ishmael were born of the same father. They were both sons of Abraham. So the, the, the equivalent in the 21st century would be that it's those who are uh, church members of perhaps liberal churches, um, our, um, our nominal churchmen, the, um, our, our half-brothers. Those are the ones from whom the persecution comes. I want to read you a quote from John Stott. Um, he's one of the commentaries that I'm reading, but he says this. The persecution of the true church is not always by the world, who are strangers, but by our half-brothers, religious people, the nominal church. It has always been so. The Lord Jesus was bitterly opposed, rejected, mocked, and condemned by his own nation. The fiercest opponents of the Apostle Paul were the official religious leaders. 
the greatest enemies of evangelical faith today are not unbelievers, but the church, the establishment, the hierarchy. Isaac is always mocked and persecuted by Ishmael. Um, there was a, um, a, a blog put on GOL uh, Monday that was written by Al Mohler. Did y'all read that? I think it was Ron Lewis that put it on there. And um, Al Mohler, uh, who is the president of a, uh, I think it's called Southern Baptist Seminary in, in Louisville, Kentucky, who is a real uh, ally. But uh, he was addressing the issue of the homosexual movement, the uh, gay lesbian movement in our country. And uh, he was answering an article that was saying this to us. You better get on the right side of this thing. You better get on the right side of history. Um, because you are going to be marginalized. You're going to lose all your tax-deductible uh, privileges. If you do not get on the right side of this issue um, concerning homosexuality and same-sex marriage and all. The point that I'm making is not that. We're not, we're not here to talk about uh, homosexuality tonight. But the, the article was addressed to a man who had written these things warning us that we better change our position. And the man who said that was a guy who went to seminary with Al Mohler. They were seminary students together. They went to the same seminary. They were on the same staff at one time. They were, um, they were friends. They, you know, they see each other. And this guy is a guy who years ago had opposed homosexuality, but has changed his position, and now is saying to us, you better get on the right side of this, or we're going to roll right over you. That's from the half-brother, the nominal churchman. And who knows, he may be right, we may, we may lose... Um, all kinds of uh, privileges, um, religiously and ethically and morally. I, I don't know that. But I'm just, I, I will say this. I, I do not care to be on the right side of history, but I do very much care to be on the right side of proposition on revealed truth. And so uh, you can have your history. I, I, I would, but that, all I'm trying to illustrate, <clears throat> pardon me, um, Ishmael, does not like Isaac. Um, Christians are, I mean, blamed for every. Or Christianity is blamed for everything. Um, Paul says, just like it was back in Genesis 21, so it is today. That's what verse 29 says. <clears throat> um, and the persecution comes from the half-brother, the, the, the nominal. Um, when, when you come to the New Testament, what did the preaching of the gospel evoke? Well, for one thing, it evoked the death of Jesus Christ. Um, there's, a, there's a statement, it's in Acts 24, you don't need to turn there, but Paul is that roaming around, you know, preaching the gospel wherever he can. 
And uh, some of his opponents call him a plague. <laughs> I mean, it's in the text. A plague. Anybody that wants to preach this thing about promise and faith and um, merit found only in Christ, you're a plague. Martin Luther was called a whole lot worse than that. <laughs> um, he was called a plague and a whole lot other, a whole lot of other things. Um, <clears throat> what Jesus states in John 15 is it's verse 19. He's basically saying, "I'm the cause of your trouble. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore." The world hates you. Now, guys, why? why? Why is that such a truism? Well, I think I know. Um, the gospel threatens religious people, and irreligious people, but it threatens religious people. Because the gospel suggests that their best deeds are useless before God. All of this effort on your part to try and be a good boy, it's worthless. That's the message of the gospel. And so the, the, the Ishmaels of the world have got to turn around and say, no, wait a minute, um, I'm going to have to debunk the message that those people have. Because that message opposes the very things in which I find my spiritual worth. The, the Christian message, ladies and gentlemen, is calling you to run from any sense of meritorious favor. And the world is saying the way to reconcile to God is through meritorious favor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Ishmael hates Isaac. You've seen it, you see it all throughout the history of the church. You see it as early as Genesis 4. I'm, I pointed this out. Why is it that Cain killed Abel? Because he hated the idea of faith. This message that we have that the way to right yourself with God is through faith in the finished work of somebody else is a message that is utterly despised. Now, guys, we're not done. Um, not tonight, not uh, on this subject. But um, here we go. Out there in TV land. <clears throat> um, as you know, Jesus states in John 16, 33, he states, um, in this world, you will have... How about that, Jonathan? Is that slow enough? <laughs> Um, you will have tribulation, all right? You know that text. It's um, John 16, 33, all right? Now, guys, um, that word tribulation, here's what we're going to do. We have all kinds of words that we use as synonyms for that word. Um, hardship, suffering, trial, pain. Uh, we all have our, what, what, what word is your favorite? Which one do you like? 
Well, you can substitute any of those right in here in, in John 16, And uh, in this world, you're going to have pain. In this world, you're going to have suffering. In this world. But, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to use Jesus' word. Okay? It's, a, it's the normal Greek word, thlipsis. Um, it's not an unusual word. But we're going to use his word. <clears throat> we're going to call this the genus. But underneath the genus, there are several varieties. There are several species that belong to this genus. Um, For instance, chastening. Um, You you can come in all kinds of varieties, but it's still got pain in it. So... um, it's still hardship, pain, suffering, or trial. What are, you know, but it's all in this same word, tribulation. But guys, there's even a couple of versions of chastening. Um, there's chastening that is brought on by my own sin. For instance, if I steal from my company and I get caught, and I lose my job, um and I can't get another one, well, that's just a situation that I brought on by my own sin. But there's another brand of chastening where God authors a set of circumstances so that he can produce greater intimacy between the two of us, me and him. Okay? So, but it's all just various species of the overall genus. There's tribulation, and oh, that's one brand. Oh, there's another one. Um, uh, What shall we call it? Uh, We'll just call it living in a fallen world. Um, For example, injustice. You went to court and you lost, and it was just because the books were cooked. That's painful. That hurts. And ladies and gentlemen, if you expect to get justice in this life, somebody needs to um, uh, ask you to wake up and smell the roses. But um, justice or injustice is the result of living in a fallen world, and, it's, and it hurts. It slips us. It's tribulation. In this world, you're going to have it, you know? Then there's another one. Persecution. <clears throat> Um, and that's what this text is talking about. That's what Galatians 4.29 is talking about. And so I'm going to take well, 11 minutes. We're going to talk about this one. But we're going to use this as an opportunity to come back next week and talk about all of it. I mean, uh, just to give you something to look forward to, we're going we're gonna to take a quick look at the book of Lamentations. <laughs> Boy, I know you're excited about that. <clears throat> <clears throat> lamentations. I mean, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's spend some time on learning how to lament. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great book, written by Jeremiah. But, guys, th- these are all just various subsets of a larger family. And they all hurt. Um, nobody likes this persecution. Or do you? Um, I mean, well, 
let me, I got I got nine minutes now, but let me just, let's just quickly talk about this one. And the next week we're going to come back and talk about these. And maybe the next week, and maybe the next, and maybe the next, and next, and next. I don't know how long we go, but we're going to talk about those things that make us hurt. That induce pain. That are things that we almost will do just about anything to avoid. Uh, we'll certainly do whatever it's necessary so that our kids won't have to experience any of this. Oh, we can't have our kids uh, experience pain. Um, but pain is just one of those subsets of what Jesus promises. In this world, you will have tribulation. Okay, let me, let me just spend a, a few quick minutes talking about persecution. To do that, I want you to see Jesus' great statement. It's in Matthew 5. So you might want to turn over there. Matthew 5, it's in the Beatitudes, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, um, I think you know that um, the Sermon on the Mount consists of three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount begins with what's called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is just a section of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's just a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. But the Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount is opened by the Beatitudes, eight of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn. Those are the Beatitudes. But the last Beatitude is in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> um, you know, when you, when you read that in the, in, the, in the context of the other eight uh, Beatitudes, you, you kind of think, well, maybe that one's awfully different than the rest of them. But it really isn't. The persecution uh, of verse 10 is just the result of living the other seven. If the other seven Beatitudes um, characterize me, then persecution is the inevitable result because Isaac always hates, I mean, Ishmael always hates Isaac. Um, let me show you just an example of something I just thought was interesting. Um, the persecution in verse 10 comes right after being a peacemaker in verse 9. Now, you would think that the world would love peacemakers. I mean, certainly we need some peace around here, you know, and, you know, globally. You would think that the world would welcome a peacemaker. But we're being told that peacemakers are going to be persecuted. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian's idea of peace is so radically different from the world's idea of peace. The, the world's idea of peace is cessation of hostilities. That's not the Christian idea of peace. Gang, <clears throat> persecution is the result of simply living the way the Christian is supposed to live. All these other th things are if true of me, also something that we can expect is that there's going to be persecution that's going Because you see, as Paul said, Ishmael hates Isaac. Now, I don't have much time, but <clears throat> the thing that I want you to see about this, piece, uh, this persecution thing, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
It doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted if they're arrogant and argumentative. Um, it, it doesn't say, blessed are they if you're persecuted because you're stupid. You know, about 10 years ago, uh, maybe it was longer than that. I, I, I know my wife could probably tell me the exact date, but, uh, and, and I hope you'll um, permit me to get away with this. Um, about 10, 12, 15 years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention came out with a statement about submission. You know, a wife submitting. Now, now, I know every woman in here just had a chill go up and down her spine. Uh, but uh, they, they produced this statement about submission. And, of course, forgive me, I may have misread it. I may have, it may be my own prejudices, you know, I, and I'll be, I'll be glad to be corrected by you. But the impression that it made on me was something like this, that the submission that was being asked for is, we the men, we go out and we earn the bacon, and we bring home the bacon, and you women... You fried up. <clears throat> and I remember reading that thing and, th- and thinking, oh my, we're about, we're about to find, we're about to get persecuted. But that's not what this is talking about, ladies and gentlemen. That's persecution because you're stupid. <clears throat> not persecution for righteousness sake. Um, it doesn't, I'm not, I, don't, I don't get applauded. If I'm persecuted because I'm um, uh, obnoxious, gang, there, there is there's a difference between being offensive and causing offense for righteousness' sake. Christians don't value being offensive with the truth. You know, um, I'll tell you another thing, um, and some of you aren't going to like this. Um, it doesn't say um, uh, that we're blessed because of our um, conservative religious political beliefs. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, anytime you mix your politics with your religion, you're going to get persecuted, but don't expect a benediction to this text. Guys, we should have learned that lesson back in the 70s when the church got in bed with the, with the moral majority. We should have learned. Maybe we haven't. But what did that get us? Nothing. And you got the scorn. But gang, the promise here is blessed are they who are persecuted... For righteousness' sake. Let me tell you what that is, and then I'll quit. Um, um, Blessed are those who are persecuted when they are being like their Savior. And I can promise you this, my brother and sister in Christ, when you are like Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted. But that's the only benediction that you can claim here. If I am being like my Savior and I get persecuted, blessed are you.
Let me read you a, a couple of things, and we won't. And it'll be done in a minute. Um, just um, if the world hates you, Jesus is speaking. Know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Um, if I'm like him, let me say, let me just add this. The world is not going to persecute you when you're good. The world loves goodness, but it hates righteousness. There's a lot of moral goodness. I mean, not everyone who dies by way of martyrdom can have this benediction. There's only one brand of persecution that is applauded. And that is when it's persecution generated because I'm living a life that's similar to my Savior's. That's what it means. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, I'll point this out. and You'll notice in, um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By the way, he also says the same thing in verse 3. This is Matthew 5. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, the, um, the Beatitudes are bracketed by reminding you that our citizenship is not to be found here. We are persecuted because we belong to another whole kingdom. You know, I would say to you guys, um, and this is really, this is really hard stuff for all of us. Um, the real sadness. The real sadness is not that we're persecuted. Um, the real sadness is that we're not. Um, the world doesn't need to persecute the church in, in the main because um, we're so much like her. This benediction... And the pain that comes along with persecution is only promised. Um, to the display of righteousness. And then the text goes on to say, um, rejoice. Because if that happens, boy, this is just a proof that you really belong to him. Because they're hating you just like they hated him. And you're, you're like the prophets. You know, they hated them too. Because we have a message and we have a Savior that is complete, that is, that is antithetical. We're not promoting goodness here. We're promoting righteousness. And those things are different. We applaud righteousness and that is Christ-likeness. We'll quit there. Our Father, um, I would pray that you will prepare us um, for what stands in um, our future if we don't get on the right side of history. And I um, pray, O oh God, that you will find us faithful. But Lord, it's, uh, it's, it's more complex than just a church standing for some righteous principles. 
it's individuals, it's each of us um, trying to reflect the beauty of our Savior in the way that we forgive one another, in the way that we um, uh, have a mind and a heart for the poor, the way that we're willing to sacrifice for the, uh, for the good of uh, the kingdom. Lord, um, we have a long way to go, and this thing called Christianity is a radical ethic, <clears throat> very much on display. I mean, that ethic, very much on display in this whole idea of finding it blessed to be persecuted. That, that goes against every grain in me. Father, would you um, remind us that our, that our citizenship is in heaven, and consequently we're going to be awfully, awfully different from a world, even in the way that we think of peace and everything else. Father, um, for my brother or sister here tonight who, are, who is being persecuted because they're resembling the Savior, would you comfort them with this text? We um, thank you for the opportunity to look at it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.